Jesus saved my life. It is our story. It is the reason we gather together. It is true. That is the message, simple message that we need to share. We've sung about it today. Let me encourage you as we continue to share about that. Find Acts chapter 4 if you would. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 21. Acts chapter 4. Listen, if you have opportunity, find that on your... If you don't have the... uh, the pages with you, feel free to find that on your cell phone or somewhere in which you can look on. It is a powerful message, one you may have heard before, a powerful story that takes place. And uh, I'm afraid that I'm inadequate, perhaps, maybe to share with you without you seeing it uh, there face to face. So we want you to be able to do that, be able to look at it as well. I appreciate our music ministry so much. Appreciate them leading us in worship today, always. Uh, Today, we probably had one of the largest choirs I have seen on a Sunday morning in a long, long time. So we appreciate their uh, ministry. And today, what a great time. Um, I, I always feel like simply because of our opportunity to be able to sing with this praise band, exalt the name of Jesus, we ought to be busting at the seams every time we come together. I certainly believe that. Although we recognize it's not about numbers, but it's about exalting the name of Jesus. It is the reason in which we have come together and uh, what we're going to do. So it's my prayer, as always, we want to exalt the name of Jesus today. That we'll have a full understanding of what God's Word has to say to us today. And believe that uh, the message today particularly will be one that will be significant for us. And so we want to pay close attention. And maybe particularly today, even though we got an extra hour, I kind of feel like today... I. I want to let you out on time. Uh, if for no other reason, I feel like overtime's not good for the state of Alabama this weekend. Is it too soon for that? Too soon maybe for that? Let me, before we read all 21 verses, let me read to you what our emphasis for today. Acts chapter 4, verses 19 and 20. And then we'll read the verses maybe surrounding that. Acts chapter 4, verses 19 and 20 says, But Peter and John answered them, Whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you, Rather than to God, you must judge, for we cannot but speak of what we have seen and what we have heard. Are you one who goes online and quick to look at the reviews of what other people have said about something before you purchase? I mean, before you before you make reservations for that condo on the beach, before you buy that new car, that new lawn furniture, new TV, whatever it is, you want to see perhaps what other people are saying. I'm like that. I want to be able to see, although not always. I can remember one particular time. I did not look at the reviews before I purchased of what I thought was a good deal of $89 for a condo at the beach. And my family will never let me forget that. Had one of those, the Murphy bed that you pull out along with the other bed that was in. But it did have this unique feature that you could go from the bathroom to the mini fridge to the door without ever touching the ground. So it had that feature about it. So always good to maybe look at the reviews. It doesn't matter what it is. You can find reviews on everything People are not ashamed to tell you what they think about stuff and stuff maybe particularly that matters to them. So why is it that sometimes we find it hard or reluctant to tell about our relationship with Jesus Christ and the difference that Christ has made in our life? While Jesus is no product to sell, may we leave this place not just a little less reluctant to share, but with a hunger and a desire for other people to know about the Jesus that we know and to have an opportunity to get in on what God is doing. Acts chapter 4, we're going to be reading. It's a continuation of Acts chapter 3. It's kind of a story within a couple of chapters. Peter and John went to the temple to pray at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And they came across a man who had been lame from birth, who every day lay at the gate called Beautiful that went into the temple. And on this particular day, he's asked for alms for from uh, Peter and John. 
And we have the famous words, perhaps, of what Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And the man stood to his feet and began to leap and to jump and for the very first time was able to go into the temple and to give praise to God. Such was the commotion as the story continues that there was a crowd that gathered around and Peter, ready to take advantage of the opportunity, uh, was excited to be able to share and he shared about Jesus. Jesus who not only can heal the lame, but Jesus who can transform lives and that he can give salvation to all those who come to him in faith. Acts chapter 4 picks up at the conclusion of that sermon or maybe even as an interruption to what Peter was saying there. But the message continues, Acts chapter 4, verses 1 through 21. This now is the word of God. And as they were speaking to the people, the priest, captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. Verse 5 reads, On the next day there were rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest, Caiaphas and John and Alexander, and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, By what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed? Let it be known to all of you and all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. There's salvation in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, perceived that they were uneducated, common people, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed, standing beside them, they said nothing, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, what shall we do with these men for that... A notable sign has been performed through them as evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let's warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them, charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. When they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people, for all were praising God for what had happened. Let's go and read verse 22. It says, For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. We often talk about compassion for people, compassion for the lost, compassion for the needy. Well, today I want us to go beyond compassion, though compassion means with passion, but I want us to go beyond that to where we are seeking to follow all of God and everything that he has for us in a passionate way so that we might be able to see the difference and others might be able to see the difference that Jesus makes in your life and in mine. And also that we are to follow the particular passions that the Spirit of God has put on each of us as individuals today and maybe even discover what that passion or begin to find out what that may be for us if we do not know or to continue if we do. Several things that we're to have a passion about. You follow in your notes 
may be well. You might notice we've got at least the titles of these little subtitles maybe uh, in first person so that it might make it personal. But first of all, I'm to have a passion for the mission of the church. I'm to have a passion for the mission of the church. The mission of God's church and the mission of our Lord Jesus Christ should or is the same. Jesus said, I've come to seek and to save that which was lost. We're the church, we're the body of Christ, we're the hands and the feet of Jesus. We're to continue on the work of Jesus as the church, His church. Mission of Parkway. It's found in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, and in Acts chapter 1-8. Matthew 28-19 says, there go, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And Acts 1-8 says, And ye shall be my witnesses. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. In 2020, our church adopted a five-year plan, actually five in extending to a 10-year plan, about reaching new people for Jesus. The vision is to love God, love Auburn, and love the nations. In other words, that we want to grow in our love for Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We want to love Auburn, and not just the Auburn Tigers, you understand, but in those people who live amongst us, where we are, wherever the Lord, where the Lord has planted us. This is where the Lord planted this church. And then that is to extend to love all people everywhere, to love all the nations. The mission that we have talked about over these, for these next five years, it is to offer new people new life and next steps that are found in Jesus. Offer new people New life and next steps found in Jesus. And then we kind of got a theme verse that goes along with that, John 14, 6. Where Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So today, even today, I want us to have a passion or a passion to grow about the mission for the church. Church in general, for this church, Parkway Baptist Church, where the Lord has us particularly. Someone once said about passion, uh, I'm not sure how to define it, but I know it when I see it. We see a passion in the lives of the disciples and the believers and the story we find in Acts in this particular story. Here are the religious leaders, the priest, temple guard, and the Sadducees are upset at the preaching about Jesus. They certainly didn't want the preaching about Jesus. But the Sadducees particularly were upset that they talked about the resurrection of Jesus because they did not believe in any kind of resurrection. So they have the authority and they arrest uh, Peter and John and placed them in jail overnight. Next day they're placed before the Sanhedrin, this Jewish governing council. And they were asked the question perhaps that Peter and John wanted to be asked, by what power or by what name do you do this thing not just the preaching, but the healing that came across. Scripture tells us, we read it a moment ago, Peter, filled with the Spirit of God, said, if you're asking how this crippled was healed, it was by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. The one that you crucified has risen from the dead. And the stone that you builders rejected, the stone meaning Jesus, that you have set aside, is now, understand, the cornerstone. Oh, I wish I could portray the passion in his message as he boldly spoke before the high priest and the ex-high priest and all the Sanhedrin. There's a cause for his passion and it's found in verse 12. Here's the reason, although verse 12 we may have on the screen, but it says, he says, there is salvation in no one else for there's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Here's the reason to be enthused. 
There's a reason that we can have the same kind of courage and intensity. And the reason that we want to have a passion for the mission of the church is because Jesus is the only assurance of salvation. Now you can believe this and still not be all that passionate about it. But you will never have a passion about the mission of the church without being convinced that this is true. Let me say that again. You can believe it and say you believe it, maybe even really believe it, and maybe still all be all, not all that passionate about it, but there's no way you'll ever to be have the passion, enthusiasm that we should have about Christ without being convinced that this is true. Believers were even sometimes referred to in the book of Acts as the way because of their emphasis on the fact that Jesus Christ is the only way. Now, sometimes we may have conversations with others and may even be honest with ourselves and not quite understand how the only way to heaven is through Jesus or by His grace and through faith. And There's so many religions in the world. What makes ours so special? Well, first of all, ours is not a religion, but it is a relationship, a relationship with the one who is divine, with the Son of God. But remember this. Truth is not based on how we feel or what we think to be true, but it's based on fact. Fact is we have founded our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that is written in His Word and we accept it by faith. Some still think that it doesn't seem fair that uh, Jesus is the only way. By that human logic, our logic, not truth, it's based on believing that we somehow deserve salvation or somebody deserves salvation. But none of us deserve salvation. In fact, Jesus Christ, Son of God, left the throne of heaven to live amongst us and die on the cross and rise again because, not because we deserve it, not to exclude anybody, but instead to include everyone, all who will believe in Him. And Jesus is the only assurance of salvation. No other religion will guarantee peace with God and salvation for eternity. Only a relationship with Jesus. Every other religion will kind of give you good odds. I mean, if you're the best you can be. If you try to follow maybe a particular round of commands and try to be obedient, maybe and give you a particular odds. Even those who believe in baptismal regeneration, that is that you must be baptized in order to be saved. Those who believe that, if you press them, you mean I, as long as I get baptized in your church, I will be saved? Say, well, no, there is no guarantee. But the Bible tells us there is a guarantee. Oh yes, genuine faith in Christ guarantees salvation for everyone, no matter who you are. Jesus is the only assurance for eternal salvation and hope for today for all who believe. You and I both know persons and perhaps we have families with problems. Some that are so twisted and turned because of sin or wrong decisions or even tragedies that might seem hopeless. Let's not be afraid to be so naive or so simple-minded by knowing that the simple to distinct message of Jesus is the answer. Some situations seem to be hopeless, some because of poverty, others because of immorality, some through no fault of their own. We've got to be convinced that Jesus really is the answer for the world today. And the power is not in us alone or by ourselves. The power is only in us because we have Christ who is living in us. The power is found in the message or the hope for which the church has, for the, which the church continues to share with others about the things of Christ and how they will make a difference in how you view problems and your approach to crises. Well, how is it that a passion that I have for Jesus will make a difference in how I approach problems and crises? Oh, I want you to pay attention because I believe the scripture actually will help us if we pay close attention. If we have a 
If we have a passion for the mission of the church, the reason is because Jesus is the only guarantee of salvation and He's the only way to salvation. But there's also a reaction. If you have a passion for the church, there'll be a reaction. A reaction particularly because of the passion you have for Jesus from others. And the reaction is this. Others will know you have been with Jesus. Others will know you've been with Jesus. Uh, I want you to get the picture here. Two common uneducated fishermen. From Galilee nonetheless. They come down to Jerusalem, capital city. And they're brought now before the rulers and the elders and the scribes because they've been preaching about Jesus and because of the healing that's taking place. And there are the rulers, elders, scribes, all the high priestly family. It's the supreme court of the Jewish religion. What did this religious council, we read it just a moment ago, though these were non-believers, didn't believe in Jesus, what did they say? Verse 13. Notice the end of that verse, it says, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Now, there could have been some reasons in which they made the statement. It could have been after the, they suddenly remembered, oh yeah, these were the ones who were following Jesus and they suddenly recognized, yeah, I remember seeing them with Jesus. It could have been they recognized their countenance was different like because they had been with Jesus. Something was different about their presence and they recognized that they'd been with Jesus and it made a difference in their life. Kind of like Moses after he, second time after he came down off the mountain, you might remember it says that his countenance was changed because he'd been with Jesus. Or like Stephen, a couple of chapters later, when he comes before the court, he's going to, they said he had the face like an angel. You know what? People ought to be able to see the difference because we've been in the presence of the Almighty, because we've been in the presence of Jesus. If not in our face, then certainly in our attitude. Or probably, and maybe more likely, what took place, they meant Peter and John were acting a lot like Jesus. By the way, when we read this a moment ago, did you, did you recognize any of the names, maybe from a previous time, who were at that trial? Like Annas and Caiaphas, one was the ex-high priest and the other was the son-in-law that was now acting the high priest as well. Jesus had appeared before these same men, before the same court. And the courage that Jesus showed was evident and reflected in the lives of Peter and John. Somewhere along the line, they're thinking to themselves, they've seen this before. <laughs> it was, they, they, they'd been with Jesus because this is how Jesus acted. A passion for the mission of the church and the things of God will lead us to acting and reacting more like Jesus. So why, is, why would passion for Jesus be important? Because it will make us more like Christ and people will see Jesus evident in our lives and reflected in us. And the more time we spend with Jesus and the more time we spend with people who are passionate about Him, the more it will happen, particularly when times are rough. Because it's during the rough times that what is truly on the inside is what comes out, what is reflected. Peter and John, they were arrested, put in jail, threatened. Later they would be beaten, one would be killed, another would be exiled. And when you have a passion for Christ, the tougher the situation, the more likely you act like Christ. It was true of Peter. But it wasn't always true of Peter, was it? Because it was just a few weeks, maybe a few months before this that Peter had followed Jesus on the night that he was crucified and the first he came across was a young slave girl who said, aren't you one of those who were with Jesus? He said, I wasn't with Jesus. Denied the Lord that time, two further times by the third time, he was cursing the name of Jesus. 
Now here's Peter who couldn't proclaim Jesus before one young girl is now doing it before the Jewish Supreme Court. What happened? <laughs> well, he had an encounter, spent time with the one who was the risen Lord. And he transformed his life. The result, if you're going to have a passion for the mission of the church, is people's lives will be changed for the better. Because of your passion, people's lives will be changed. Notice in verse 14 what it says there. Verse 14, it says that the man who was healed was standing next to them and they could say nothing in opposition. Do you, do you know there are people today who uh, tell you that the miracles were not really miracles? I mean, they seek to explain them away. There are commentaries written, what we call liberal commentaries. But in those commentaries, they'll, they'll explain away the miracles. They say, well, they wasn't really lame. Or this, you know, will explain that miracle or that miracle. It's interesting to me that people that now live thousands of miles away, 2,000 years later, are saying that this wasn't really a miracle. When we have these religious leaders, anti-Jewish people of that day, could not argue with it. A church member was talking to someone about church, inviting them to church, and the conversation led to a belief in Jesus. And as they did, the other person said, you don't really believe all that stuff, do you? And actually began to use curse words to defame the name of God. And the person said, the wisest thing that could be said in that particular situation. Said, all I can do is tell you the difference that Jesus has made in my life. People can argue our theology. They may disagree with what they say, but they cannot argue with the life that has been changed or with the changing power of a relationship with Jesus. We often talk about seeing lives transformed or wanting to, but not all transformed lives are dramatic. Now, yours may be. You may have had a dramatic change in your life where the Lord brought you from one kind of person to another kind of person. You, have been, you may have been a good person or saved when you were young, but then just because you were good, it doesn't make you a believer, but then you became a believer and then you continued to grow in Christ. It's a transformation that is just as miraculous that the Lord would come and that He would love us and that He would continue to change us and we're all a miracle in the making. But notice that the changed life, truth of the gospel that was told to the Sanhedrin, told to the Jewish council, did not change them. At least as far as we could tell at that moment. But it did. How many others according to Acts 4.4? 5,000 others. Now Luke is likely given us, the writer of Acts, he's likely given us a grand total. Acts chapter 2, 3,000 were saved and now the total is up to 5,000 were saved. But Luke did tell us this. He said, that's just the men. Not including the women and the children who have been saved. And the truth is that some people's lives will not be changed though a miracle take place and they're presented with the greatest truth known to man. But many people's lives will be changed for the better when we have a passion for the mission of the church which is to show God's love and share that love and the good news of Jesus. But not only am I to have a passion for the mission of the church, I'm to have a passion for my mission in the church. Like Peter and John, whose passion for sharing the gospel shows up before the Sanhedrin. Each of us have a particular place or ministry or ministries where our passions are revealed. A place where we're well-suited, gifted, and we can be enthusiastic about. 
Some people have a passion for children, others for youth, some for students, some for senior adults, some people for nursing homes, some people for church building and grounds, some for disaster relief, some for family ministry, some for library, and the list goes on and on and on. Where will your passion be revealed? I want you to notice, we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. We'll put them on the screen there for you. And I want you to notice the threefold ministry of the pastor and the staff, according to Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. This is how it says it in the King James. It says, He gave some to be apostles, some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Perfecting of the saints, discipleship and teaching, helping people to grow in their faith. For the work of ministry, counsel, visit the sick and bereaved, help people in crisis. Edifying the body of Christ, visit those prospects who visit the church, witness to people, help to grow the church. Would you agree that this is what ministers, pastors and spiritual leaders should be doing? Discipleship, ministry and evangelism. Well, at least we know what we're supposed to do. One problem is, is that's not really what that says or what that means. Can I give you Ephesians chapter 4, uh, 12 in the English Standard Version? It's a little bit clearer perhaps. Gave some to be apostles, some teachers, uh, evangelists, pastors, teachers, and prophets. Those leaders. And then it says, to equip the saints for works of ministry for the building up of the body of Christ. We are to serve by example. We're to lead by example. But our jobs prepare God's people for ministry, which leads to discipleship and evangelism. We have many, many ministries in our church. Every year we do a survey and a questionnaire, find out where you're working and be able to say where you want to be involved. We have not even identified all the ministries that we could be a part of. We have grown many over the last few years, and that's truly where our growth is coming and the increase in ministry. There may be others that you want to be passionate about or to get started, but what has the Lord planted in your heart to get you enthused about and doing ministry? A present ministry? A ministry that is to come? We want to help to empower you. That's the job of the pastors and staff and the ministers. We want to empower you in order that you might be able to do ministry in the church, through the church, outside the church. Too many people feel that they have to go and do that which they really don't want to do if they really are turning themselves over to God. And sometimes the Lord does lead you to do things that are outside your comfort zone. But I want to encourage you to find something that you are excited about, can be enthused about. In fact, I think that's what we find from God's Word. Things you cannot wait to get involved in and see a vision to help further the kingdom. And as you think about the things that you want to be involved in, let me encourage you to ask, maybe ask this question. How can what I'm doing, how can what the church is doing, help grow disciples and win lost people to Jesus. Toward the end of Paul's third missionary journey, he was heading back to Jerusalem. He knew that it was not going to be good when he got back to Jerusalem. Friends begged him not to go because of the danger. A prophet by the name of Agabus took Paul's belt and tied up his own hands and feet and said, in the same way, the owner of this belt will be bound by the Jews in Jerusalem and be handed over to the Gentiles. The people pleaded even more for him not to go. And Paul gave this answer in Acts 21 and verse 13. 
uh, I believe this is your definition of passion. This is from the Amplified Bible. It says, then Paul replied, what do you mean by weeping and breaking my heart like this? For I hold myself in readiness not only to be arrested and bound and imprisoned at Jerusalem, but also even to die for the name of Jesus. Hear the passion in his words. Serving Jesus has priority even over life and limb. It's the same passion of Peter and John in Acts 4, 19 and 20, whether it's right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God, you be the judge for we cannot help but speak about what we've seen and heard. It's the same passion we should have. We're excited about the mission of the church and our particular place in that mission. So I'm to have a passion for the mission of the church. I've had a passion for my mission in the church. And I'm had a passion that will inspire others to join the mission of the church. I'm to have a passion that will inspire others to join the mission of the church. Some things that perhaps we need to realize, not everyone will understand your passion. The two disciples were instructed not to teach anymore in the name of Jesus. In fact, they were warned or they were threatened. It's the very first case of civil disobedience in the New Testament, and it wouldn't be the last. I was uh, searching for maybe particular, we're going to continue our series through the Bible, which we're going to do at some point, but today we kind of came to transition time looking for perhaps a passage maybe to get us ready for the vote on Tuesday. And I first went to Romans chapter 13 and verse 1 to where it certainly talks about the powers of the government are ordained of God. No government rises or falls without going through the hands of God. And I looked and I saw that I actually preached that passage on the first Sunday in November in the year 2020. So it wasn't a long after. Then I looked at the place to where it says, render, where Jesus said, render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's and render unto God the things that are God's. Of course, that time Caesar was a ruthless dictator. Still, Jesus was able to say this about four years earlier than today before another election. Then also look to Hebrews 4.17 to where it talked about the where we needed to be obedient to our leaders and about six years before that. Now, probably six years ago, half of you or three quarters of you probably weren't here maybe at that particular time and we'll look at this again, nor would you remember. But thus, hopefully, under the Holy Spirit was led to Acts chapter 4 partly to say Christians ought to make the best citizens and even some to be involved in what's happening in local government, nationally, and everything in between. You are, Jesus said, salt, light of this world. You're looking for answers to the nation's problems. Think, who's, who's going to make a difference in the nation and world in which we live? Well, you're it. We're the ones who have called because we have the answers. The church has the hope of the world. Should Christians vote? Absolutely. Should Christians pray for our nation and for the leaders of our nation and local government? Absolutely. Should Christians obey authority when it does not conflict with the authority of God? Surely we should. However, when a government of the world or anyone in authority abuses its power and commands that we do something morally, spiritually, or biblically wrong, that's where we draw the line, even at the cost of imprisonment or life. We are to submit to authority, but our passion is about God's mission. Our own mission tells us when it comes to obeying God of people, God wins out every time. All right. Actually, that's pretty cheap talk. I mean, living where we live. Something that we can talk about. We, we recognize for some people it's much more difficult. 
in 2015, a horrific video surfaced on the internet that surely is not there anymore, and I would not recommend it. It showed the brutal execution of 21 Egyptian Christians. The Islamic extremist group known as ISIS marched 21 Christians to the seashore and made them kneel and gave them opportunity to recant the name of Jesus. All 21 stayed true to their faith and were executed as they called out the name of Jesus. 21. Such has been the case for many of our brothers and sisters in Jesus for 21 centuries. Similar fates would befall most of the 11 original disciples. I will not even ask. But you and I will never be able to say we would do the same if we do not approach our walk with Christ and our mission with passion. But from the original 11 disciples to the 21 Egyptian Christians to many, many others in between and since, may we be inspired to grow in our hunger for the things of God and may our passion be seen in our talk and our walk. May it inspire others as well. Some people to grow more in Jesus. Some people to know Jesus for the very first time. But also you need to know this, not everyone will share the same passions. Peter's ministry was primarily to the Jews. Paul's ministry is primarily to the Gentiles. One of the things that seems to zap our enthusiasm sometimes is that we're passionate about something and then we find that no one or very few actually also are. One of the problems may be that others have not found a passion for the mission of the church and maybe not for their particular mission or it could just be that their passion is about something different. They're wired a little bit different. Some, some people have a a heart for different things. Some people have a heart for visiting people in the nursing home and some people don't understand why everybody doesn't visit people in the nursing home. Some people have a heart for small children and changing diapers and other people do not. Listen, here's the way I ask sometimes if we're asking people, are they going to serve? And I try to tell, don't ask people to give them a yes or no question. Say, depending on who they are and what you think their personality is, would you be a part of this ministry team or would you teach 7th and 8th grade boys? Give us which one you want to do. Or be a part of this or change diapers. And so instead of a yes or no, they'll automatically gravitate to something and then they might surprise you as well as to things that they would want to be. But here, understand, all ministries are important. Part of your job is to have a passion so that we might be able to know and remind us of the importance of different ministries. Well, we realize God has wired us up differently. Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians 12 says we're all part of the body of Christ, but we have different parts. What floats your boat, what gets you jazzed or gelling may be different than anybody else. But also we need to understand your enthusiasm is caught rather than taught. Your enthusiasm is caught rather than taught. When people see you having enthusiasm, that will be contagious. You may have different ministries, but we're all on the same team. We want others to catch your enthusiasm about maybe what you're doing, but particularly about the mission of the church and following God and being on board. That we're all part of the same team. They're all part of the same church. You know, we're excited about that. And sometimes what happens is when you have enthusiasm, sometimes you'll discover other people that are wired a lot like you are so that you can be a part of the same kinds of ministries that are taking place. And it's exciting when that happens. But let's realize, it's easy to serve and all things are going well. When things are going difficult, without having passion, then our serving 
falls short. Which, which makes me kind of ask questions about this particular passage. I think it's okay to ask about the passage. For in Acts chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, when the story begins, we find it talks about the lame man who was taken every day to this gate called Beautiful, laid there every day to ask people as they're coming in, to ask them for alms, had been lame all of his life. Here comes Peter and John. So here's my question. He's been there all of his life. Been laid at the same spot. Everybody knows him. And they all know that he's been healed. This is his spot. They all saw him. They see him every day. If they come to the temple and now they've healed. And so it does make for a great, great, wonderful story. Jesus saw him. Think of the many times that Jesus came. He came, he was brought there at age eight. Now we're not expecting Jesus to do much at age, excuse me, day eight. When he was eight, eight days old, he was brought to the temple and dedicated to the temple, Mary and Joseph. Fellas 10 or 15 by this point. Remember, he's in his, he's in his 40s, we're told, uh, in this chapter. 12 years old, Jesus came back to the temple. Maybe he had to walk around him or walk over him in order to get to the temple. There he was. Three-year ministry, multiple times Jesus is in Jerusalem. Multiple times he's in out of the temple. Jesus healed many. Sometimes he walked into the whole city and the scripture says he healed everybody in the city. Didn't ever say that about Jerusalem. But he did heal many in Jerusalem. Many at the temple. Many on the Sabbath. This guy's every day. Even on the Sabbath. Why didn't Jesus heal him? You ever think Jesus walked by and said, Hang on. Something big's going to happen. You just hang on. Wait right here. You know why he didn't heal him? At that time. All in the Lord's timing. 5,000 now are saved because of the healing that's taking place through Peter and John because of the power of God and the message that was proclaimed. Gospel, again, proclaimed there to the Sanhedrin. And then look at verse 21 that we read just a moment ago. Verse 21 says, what happened toward the end of that verse? It says, for uh, because of the people, for all were praising God for what had happened. The name of Jesus was exalted. You may feel like you're going through a particular tough time, maybe feel like maybe you're stuck in a particular situation, kind of like this crippled man perhaps. You don't see any way that they're going to be out. Maybe you have some kind of temptation or some sin or maybe even depression in your life and relational, financial, whatever it may be and you're kind of wondering, where's God? What's He going to do? Is He going to help me? It may be a matter of God's timing, but you can be assured right now, right now, the Lord's at work to draw you closer to Him. The Lord's at work as you pursue to have a passion for Him to point other people to Jesus. And always, why? For those who are believers in Jesus, why? Or why not? So that the Lord's name might be exalted. I'm going to do something that I rarely ever do. I'm not going to fill in all your blanks. Uh, now, we, I think we have more first service people that are upset about not filling in blanks. But if you come see me or will email me or I might finish up next week. Who knows? But I want to finish with this. You're going to be passionate about something. Surely we have learned it should not be about sports or anything else in this world. Be sure that your passion, as those of you who are followers of the Lord Jesus, make sure it is your passion that it will be about Jesus and following Him. 
And if you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior and Lord, you've heard us talk about heaven. You know that the Lord wants to walk with you even today, forgive you of your sins. But here's another reason that you ought to give your heart and life to Jesus today. He'll give you a passion about what you should have a passion about. And it'll change your life. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for our time today. We thank you that you continue to be at work in our lives so that we might be able to hear from you. We thank you that we've been able to sing about how Jesus has saved us, saved our life, given us eternal life. And we know that you hear our prayers as we call upon you. We know that you continue to be at work now. And Father, we pray that you will give this church a passion for the mission that you have, the reason for us here. Pray that you'll give each of us as individuals a passion for the particular ministries and the place and the time that you have us here as well. We pray, Father, for those who do not know Christ as their Lord and Savior. Maybe they've been putting their passion into something else that is fruitless or leads to destruction. Father, we pray that they'll call upon Jesus today. Somebody in this room, somebody listening online. Father, may they call upon you because you can give them a passion for something that really matters, something bigger than ourselves. Thank you for how you continue to be at work. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.